audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Good morning, church. Uh, Just a, a warning. This is going to be a straightforward and a simple gospel message this morning. For those who here who know Jesus, for those who have already responded to him in faith, um, my hope is that this morning that your affection and that your faith grows, that you see him and that the reality of the gospel grips your heart again. And for those who have not yet responded to the gospel, my hope this morning is that you see Christ, that you see that he is good, and that you would trust him. For all of us, my hope, my prayer is that God would move and that we would be receptive as he moves. And so as we come to Luke chapter 6, would you for a moment pause with me and let's come to him in prayer and ask that he speaks. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this day, this moment where we can come to your word and we come to you because we need you. We need your help. Lord, as we come to your word, would you speak and would you give us the ears to hear and the courage to apply? what we have heard. Lord, we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week, we looked at an absolutely incredible text. We looked at this portion of Jesus's teaching where Jesus shows us the connection between our faith and our fruit, right? Between our faith and our fruit, between our faith and belief and the actions and of our lives, right? And we worked through this last week. And as we did, we saw that Jesus just absolutely dismantles two lies, legalism and antinomianism. First, legalism. Legalism is that lie that treats our faith as though it were this outside in process, As though you can work to earn it, as though you can be good, as though you can produce good on your own in a way that makes you more favorable to God over other people, right? Jesus compares this lie, this lie of legalism, he compares this lie to a whitewashed tomb. A whitewashed tomb that's maybe beautiful on the outside, beautiful, pristine on the outside, but full of death on the inside. Legalism is like that. And Jesus just dismantles this and and legalism is a lie. But it's not the only one because the second lie was something called antinomianism. It's a big word as we talked about last week, but it is a fairly easy concept that that we are all familiar with. Uh, It's the idea that since we are saved by grace alone through faith alone. Since that is true, praise God that it is, but since that is true, who cares then about what you do? Who cares about our fruit? The lie here of antinomianism is that since we aren't under the law, it doesn't matter what we do. And as we catch ourselves... 
believing this lie. I mean, things like sanctification, growing in grace and holiness. These things really aren't a focus for us at all because here's what tends to happen. We tend to see as we believe this lie, our sin tends to stop bothering us the way that it should. It's like we grow content, church, with with living lives like dead trees with no fruit. And just as legalism is a lie, antinomianism is also a lie. Both trample grace, both cheapen grace, and both distort and they misrepresent, misunderstand the gospel. And last week, we talked about the better way that Jesus sets before us. We called it gospel transformation. It's the better way that Jesus puts before us. See, the call of the gospel legalist is to come to Christ, not to work really hard to clean yourself up and to make yourself worthy. No, no, no. But it's to know and understand that we are all sinners, that all of us fall short of the glory of God, and that there is only one who is good. There is only one who is perfect. And that perfect one is Jesus Christ, who came and gave his life for the forgiveness of your sins so that you and I can know God, so that you and I can become children of God. The call of the gospel is to respond, to believe, to trust in Christ as our Lord and our Savior. The gospel is that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. The gospel of Christ, antinomian, is that we are all new creations, that we are transformed from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. That the old, the old has passed away and that all things are new through him. The gospel tells us that we are made new, that we are given a new heart. And that the same power, church, the same power that rose Christ from the dead now lives in us, sanctifying us, empowering us, producing fruit, church, in us. We are not saved by good works. No, we are saved to good works. We are not saved because we are godly. No, we are saved by grace through faith. And now the power of the Spirit is at work in us sanctifying and conforming us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, just as a tree is known by its fruit, my disciples are known by their fruit. Not that they produce fruit in order to be my disciples. No, no. Instead, they produce fruit because they are my disciples. And from there, Jesus is going to continue to bring this truth out. And, and as we turn to our text, I want us to first consider an example. Just a quick example for a moment, and this is going to be silly, and I get it, but let me let us consider a quick example. Anyone here um, fixer-upper fans? Any Chip and JoJo people here? Chip and JoJo fans here, right? Well, good. You're going to do well on this survey, this example, all right? I want you to imagine just a scenario for me. I want to give you two options and I want us to think together about which one we should choose. And I want you to imagine 
if you're buying a house and you're weighing your options and you're figuring out the best long-term investment for you and your, for your family. And so you've decided now to take on a bit of a fixer upper. And in your, in your search, there are only two options that meet your needs, only two. And for the sake of simplicity of my example this morning, there are only two, all right? Both of these options are incredibly priced. Both of these options are in the same neighborhood, perfect location, all right? Both of these need some work, though. They need some love in order to get you and your family in, all right? Picturing it, let's paint in the picture here. Now, let's consider our two options. Option A. Option A is a beautiful home. I mean, it's actually stunning. It's, it's, it's one of the nicest homes in the, in the entire neighborhood. I mean, for those of you familiar with Fixer Upper, this is like the, the house at the end of the show, right? The exterior paint is fresh. The landscaping is wonderful. The yard, you just want to take your shoes off. And, and just kind of walk through that, right? This house is the prime example of curb appeal. You walk in and just, as you walk in the front door, it just continues to woo you. It's just wonderful. The flooring, new and fresh paint, that smell. I don't know what your ideal smell, ideal smell for a house is. For me, it's kind of a sandalwood fall smell. That's what I'm smelling when I'm walking through this door, all right? And you wonder again, you wonder right as you, as you look around, how on earth is this price the way it is? How is this considered a fixer-upper? I mean, it looks amazing. And it's at this moment where your realtor comes in and gives you the, the details, all right? Um, she says, you know, this is an amazing house. Everything's updated, new flooring, new paint, new exterior. I mean, it's wonderful, beautiful house. There's only one thing, though. The foundation is shot. I mean, I mean terrible. It is just shot. It was not built right. And we're not just talking about like cracks here as the house settles. No, we're talking about full-blown cracks to this foundation because it was not laid well. We're talking here about a home that does not have a stable foundation. And you're going to need to put some work into that. At this point, you, you, you see, you understand why this house was, was called a fixer-upper, right? It's not just the paint and the flooring and the walls. No, it is the foundation itself. I mean, ugh, right? That's option A. Now, let's consider option B. Well, option B is run down. I mean, broken window in the front. It, one of those yards, right, that's 90% um, dirt, and 10% weeds, right? You're not taking your shoes off there, right? That's, that's the yard. Whereas option A looked like fixer-upper at the end of the show. Option B looks like fixer-upper at the beginning of the show, right? And we talked about smell as we walked into option A. Well, as you walk into option B, you are confronted with this strange mix of cigarette smoke, litter box, and mustard. <laughs> Ugh. Carpet needs to be replaced. Paint's old and off-putting. Definitely will need some work. Scratch that. A lot of work. 
and don't even mention the bathrooms, right? At this point, though, you're feeling pretty down and discouraged. Then your real estate agent comes in and chimes in again saying, you know, I know that this one's not much to look at. I, I, I get that. I know it needs new paint, flooring, fixtures. I know the exterior needs love, a lot of love, all true. But this option has something that option A does not. See, this house has a solid foundation. This house was built well on a foundation that was laid well. This house has a strong and a sure foundation. So let me ask you, church, option A or option B, which one are you buying for your fixer-upper? Option B. Hear me. If you said option A, let me help you out a bit. Don't get into the fixer-upper business. Don't get into flipping houses, all right? It's just not going to go well for you. Option B. It's a no-brainer. It's an easy decision. Why? Well, because although the foundation is not the first thing that you see when you are looking at a house, although it's not as obvious as the surface level things, hear me, the foundation is vital. It is critical. It is crucial. You do not want a home with a poor foundation that is not stable. Regardless of how pretty you make that house, it is not stable. It will not be stable. Now, this was a fairly obvious example, right? And I want you to keep that fairly obvious example in your mind as we consider Jesus' teaching here in verse 46 of of Luke 6. Listen to this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Now, you just stop here because that right there, that's convicting, is it not? (laughs) Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? It just stings a little bit, but we'll come back to that, all right? We'll come back to that. But listen to the example that Jesus paints for us here. Verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. You ready? He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Verse 49, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. What a vivid example. On the one hand, you have a man who built on a good foundation. And on the other, a man who doesn't have a foundation. On the one hand, you have a man who is stable through the storm. And on the other hand, you have a man who is frail and overcome by the stream. What's Jesus doing here? Well, Jesus here is driving us to consider our foundation. Church, how is your foundation? Do you have a foundation and is your foundation firm? Jesus' concern here is for our foundation. It's like a man building a home. And on the one hand, the man takes 
the time to do it right, digging deep into the soil to the bedrock, setting a firm and a solid foundation. And after the foundation is set, let me ask you, what storm does that man have to fear? None. But on the other hand, the other man who does not take the time to do it right, does not dig down deep, does not reach that bedrock, does not set a firm and a solid foundation after the building begins, that man lives in constant danger. Jesus' concern is driving us to consider our foundation. So what is your foundation this morning? Jesus says, the one who calls me Lord, Lord, and does not do what I say is like a man building without a foundation. What is Jesus saying here? See, it might be easy. It might be easy for the legalist uh, in the room, for the hair on the back of our neck to kind of go up as you hear this, right? Because you, we can read this and say, well, what are you saying, Jesus? Are you saying that our foundation is based on us, um, based on, on our obedience, um, about what we are doing, about how we are doing what Jesus says? Is that what Jesus is saying? I want you to be careful here, church. Jesus is not saying that your foundation is your works. What Jesus is saying is that your works, your obedience becomes the evidence of the sure foundation that you have. In the same way that healthy fruit is the evidence of a healthy tree. It's like seeing a massive crack in, in the foundation of your home. That right there is the evidence of a foundation problem. In the same way, lack of fruit is evidence of something under the surface, evidence of foundation problems. In fact, as we talked about legalism and antinomianism last week, we talked about the way that we can start to believe these lies so easily without even realizing it, right? And I want to make sure that I'm I'm so clear. Both legalism and antinomianism are dangerous, church. And here's why they're dangerous. Because they are both foundation issues. Both reveal a broken and unstable foundation. See, for the legalist, building a house on your good works is like building a house on sand. It's like option A. It's a good-looking house. It's a house with some curb appeal, but a house that is unstable that will be destroyed. In the antinomian, building your house, thinking that you can ignore God, refuse to submit to him, yet at the same time thinking you can just take his salvation. Like the offer of the gospel is some kind of cosmic fire insurance policy. Church, the gospel is so much more than that. That is also like option A, because it doesn't matter what the house looks like. Your foundation is unstable and you are in danger, church. Both of these things ignore the gospel. The gospel of Christ is that Christ is your sure foundation. That Christ is our Savior and Lord. He is our firm foundation. And from that foundation, we're to build diligently build in order to glorify our God through our building. 
from that foundation, we're able to endure the storms no matter what crashes against us. We can stand in confidence because our foundation is sure. At the end of our life, we're able to breathe our last breath in confidence because our foundation is sure. This is the gospel. And again, the offer of the gospel is to come to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins so that you and I can know God, that you and I can become children of God, to believe, to trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior. The gospel of Christ is that we are made new creations, that we are transformed from the inside out by the Holy Spirit, and that the old has passed away, and that we are made new and given a new heart transformed again from the inside out this is the gospel life lived on the firm foundation of jesus christ now there is both a great warning and a great encouragement here for us in this text and we need to hear them both church so let me start with the warning No foundation apart from Jesus Christ will stand. No foundation apart from Jesus Christ will stand. In other words, if you are building on, relying on anything else, you are building your house on the sand. Now, when you're studying any of the Gospels, like we're doing this morning, talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John in your Bibles, um, it's often really helpful to read them in parallel. As I said last week, each of the Gospels are written by different human authors who each carry a, a different perspective of the same events, same characters, right? So for a moment, I want to ask, hold your place in Luke 6, and I want you to flip to the left in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew, and I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 7. This is Matthew's account of this teaching of Jesus. And right off the bat, you're going to see things that are exactly the same. And at the same time, you're also going to see things that Matthew has included that Luke did not. Take a look at this with me. Matthew chapter 7. Um, we see, for example, verses 15 through 20. Verses 15 through 20 of Matthew 7 is exactly the same account that we looked at last week in Luke 6, right? Uh, Matthew says you're going to recognize them by their fruit, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Then he says, so every tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. It's the same thing, right? It's the same thing that we saw last week in our text in Luke. We also see the parallel to our text this morning that we're looking at. We see the parallel to that in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. If you look at that, it says, Every man who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and does them, will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And then verse 26, If every anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, Jesus says, will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Again, it's the same thing, isn't it? This is Luke 6. The same thing happens in, in Matthew's, happens in Luke. See, the house on the firm foundation stands through the storm while the house on the sand falls. Right? 
You see the parallel here. Now, the reason I wanted to show you this parallel this morning is, is for us to be able to see a little bit of context, a little bit more context together, specifically the context that we're able to see by what Matthew says in between these two accounts. Notice with me the section of teaching between these two accounts in, in verses 21 through 23. Now, Luke does not record this section in his gospel, which is fine for his context. And in fact, you're going to see this often as you read through the gospels in parallel like this. But as we study this together, the parallel here will help us to get a better understanding of our context. Look at this. See, like Luke, Matthew says they're going to know you. You're going to be recognized, right, by your fruit. Then, verse 21, Matthew says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Notice right off the bat, that's the same title that we see in our text in Luke. You see that? Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, right, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast demons out in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, let me say it again. No foundation, church, apart from Jesus Christ will stand. We can build our whole lives, but if we are not building on Jesus Christ, we will not stand. Not only in this life, through the storms of this life, but church. The reason we I wanted to read this text here in Matthew is because what becomes so clear is that Jesus is not only considering the storms of this life, church, but Jesus here is directing us to consider the moment when we stand before him and see him face to face. See, Jesus here is talking about our eternity. Jesus is saying, see, no foundation apart from him will stand on that day. There is only one firm foundation. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but my me. See, there's no other foundation, no other sure and steady anchor. None. There's an old question that I grew up hearing. Maybe you've heard this question before. Uh, In fact, I know, I know that so many have responded to the gospel, that God has used this question um, in so many people's lives to, to point them to responding to the gospel. And maybe you've heard this question. The question is this. If you were to die today and stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? So if you were to die today, Stand before God. He's, he looks at you. He asks you, why should I let you in to my heaven? What would you say? Church, the reason this is such a good question is because this is a foundation question. 
in the way you answer this question, church is a foundation answer. See, if your response to this question is, well, I'm a pretty good person and I think the good's going to outweigh the bad for me. Church, that has revealed your foundation. If your response is, well, God knows me, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to condemn me, right? Church, that response has revealed your foundation. And let me say it again. No foundation apart from Jesus Christ will stand. How would you answer that question? What is your foundation? What is your hope and foundation for this life and for, the, for eternity to come? Do you know? No foundation apart from Jesus Christ will stand. This is the warning this morning. But there is also an encouragement. Here's the encouragement. Your foundation has been purchased for you. Your foundation has been purchased for you. See, there is a sure and steady foundation and you don't have to worry about the cost. You don't have to worry about setting that foundation. You don't have to worry about the foundation because your foundation has been purchased and laid already. Now, don't hear me wrong. It has been purchased, but it was not free. In fact, that foundation was incredibly costly. In fact, it was way outside of your price range. You could not afford that foundation. You could never afford it. It was incredibly costly, but it was paid in full on your behalf. The foundation has been purchased for you, church. It was costly yet freely given. It was purchased so that you may be offered, so that it may be offered to you freely. The purchase price was Christ's own life. And so he came, lived, and gave his, perf- gave his perfect life. He suffered, crucified, giving his life to pay the cost. The foundation has been purchased in full and has been laid out before you. We sing a song here uh, called Jesus Paid It All. And I want to read, um, I want to read this to you. And as I do, I want you to remember that question, that question of if you were to die, stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? I want you to think about that question as I read this to you. You ready? Here we go. And when before the throne I stand in him complete Jesus died my soul to save my lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Church, our foundation is sure, our foundation is steady, our foundation is purchased, our foundation is Jesus Christ. He has paid it all.
And now we are able to stand before the throne complete, saying with great joy, repeating with great joy, Jesus died, my soul to save. Jesus died, my soul to save. Jesus died, my soul to save. Jesus paid it all. See, no foundation apart from Jesus Christ will stand, but through Jesus, your sure and steady foundation has been purchased in full for you. So this morning, what is your foundation? What is your foundation? I'll leave us this morning with the old question. If you were to die today, Stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you in to my heaven? What would you say? For those of you who do not know what you would say, don't leave here without talking to us, letting us know we are here. Your elders, leaders are here. We want to, we would love to pray with you. Because church, we have a sure and a steady foundation and that foundation, our foundation is Christ. And through Christ, we can know that on that day, as we stand before our God, let me read to you another text and just, we can know that as we stand before our God, that we will hear this. You ready? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master.